Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And welcome to this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman. Today we're going to talk in depth about Mothers Against Drunk Driving and, and why this is so important for us to have an organization that reminds us of the uh, sobering reality of what can happen when we get behind the wheel and we're not sober. Joining us is the president of Mothers, Mad, I should say, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, Art Brown. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Art. Well, thank you, Rebecca. It's just an honor to be here and a special subject uh, really to talk about. Well, and let's start from this. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, it was organized how long ago? Oh, wow. In the 80s, uh, 30, mm-hmm. 35 years ago by a couple of mothers who had their uh, daughters uh, daughters killed uh, and uh then drunk driving was not, uh, you know, was rather accepted. And uh, through that period of time, uh, they have escalated the issues with a lot of partners. I mean, there's a lot of awareness now to where they think over that time, the whole effort is brought about saving about 350,000 lives. I believe it because you, yeah. you talked about this starting as a movement in the 1980s. For anyone who did not live in the time period before the, the 1980s, you won't have the memories that I have of a grandfather driving a car holding a beer in one hand. It was so socially acceptab- acceptable. Yeah. And, and so we, by seeing what Mothers Against Drunk Driving has done and saved lives, it's changed the way we see uh, drinking and driving in a very important way. Yes, and really the message is from a safety point of view, uh, it just, you said the right word, sober. You should not drink and drive. And nobody wants to be on the road with impaired drivers, really. And you shouldn't be an impaired driver. But Rebecca, we've leveled off. The uh, last four, five, six, seven years, um, the rate remains the same around 30, 31% of the deaths across the country. So it really is at a plateau that we need some renewal uh, that people rethink what they do when they drink. So when you say 30 or 31 percent, tell me what what that figure represents. Thank you. 31 percent of all the automobile deaths Mm. are caused by— One third, a little less than one third. About one third. And that is way too high. It's uh, across the country. It's it's lower in Utah. But you know, Rebecca, if you're on the wrong side of the numbers— it doesn't matter what the numbers are. If, if it's one, if it's one family member, and I, I want to give a nod not only to Mothers Against Drunk Driving and the other sponsors, but our sister station, one hundred three point five, The Arrow, has been actively involved in 
pushing the message to drive sober for many years as a partner with Matt. And right now on air, you're hearing messaging. They're encouraging you to stop by different sponsors, pick up a ribbon, put it in your car, because somebody might walk by, see the Mothers Against Drunk Driving mad, right, ribbon, and then for a minute pause. That's right. I shouldn't drive if I have any amount of, of, of substance that will impair my ability to drive. Yes, safely. you're right. And 103.5, uh, the partnership is well into the 35th year, believe it or not, on an annual basis. But uh, like FM 100 and KSL and others have joined, we could not lower the rates. And they wouldn't be as low if it wasn't for the media. And the reminder on the radio stations and TV that you just should not be drinking and driving. So the media plays an important part in the awareness and reminder to people. And it keeps people alive. It does, which is, may I just for a moment, there's been a number of years that you and your wife have been involved with MAD uh, here in Utah and and throughout the West, I guess I should say. Um, And and if we go back um, in time for a bit to that painful part of your family history, it became not just a news story or someone else you've heard about drunk driving. This hit home. Yeah, you ne- I never worried about drunk driving before I got a call at night at 10.30. My daughter called our house and said, I've been in terrible crash. Uh, my two children are being life-flighted to primary children's. I don't think one of them is going to make it. I have to go with my husband to another hospital. He's unconscious. Could you go to primary and meet the children? Mm. So that is a call that just nobody expects, and... You even, and it's a memory that gets a rerun. It's just not a thought that comes up. It triggers a rerun. And you can imagine the many people who get a knock at the door late at night or from two officers at the door saying your loved one will not be coming home because of a crash that was 100% preventable. It's really unnerving. I'm just pausing for a minute because I think we can all imagine ourselves asleep in bed and hearing that phone ring. And we've probably all had a phone ring and we're, and your heart rate goes up and you're wondering what might happen. And then you're relieved when it's not something serious. But the serious calls are being made all evening long yes. to our loved ones and our neighbors here throughout the Wasatch Front, throughout the state of Utah, throughout the country. Because as for those who just joined us, this is Art Brown, the president of MAD here in Utah. And um, he indicated 31% of all automobile deaths are related to impaired driving. Across the country. Across the country. Yeah, I had to visit with the parents from Oklahoma. And their son was out here uh, going to school. Uh, they were coming with some students down I-80, down by Wanship, as you know, and they met the lady going the wrong way who was impaired and uh, very fast, right? And it uh, killed her son. But they recount how they received a call at 3 a.m. in the morning that their son would not be coming home because he'd been killed by a drunk driver. You can imagine what that triggers when you're so far away or even when you're close. So as we push the messaging, I, I want, for those who are uh, listening right now and you're thinking, um, I feel helpless, wondering if people on the road are impaired and, and, and I feel vulnerable. And all of us indeed are by, by other people's choices. But there's things we can actively do. Number one is join the movement with MAD Utah to talk about it, get the red ribbons 
on the car. Make sure that you're communicating with your family members and your loved ones. When you go to holiday parties, what are some of the things we can do from our individual vantage point to help stop these 31% of national, nationwide automobile deaths being connected to those who are driving impaired? The first thing you need to do for you and your own family is to buckle up. When you get in that car, buckle up and make sure the children are all secured properly in their car, car seats. That's very important for people to do. The second thing is, is that if you know somebody who is drinking and you're at a party, don't let them drive home. If you have to take the keys from them, if you have to have alternate rides for them, do something for your friends that are just simply around you. And then the third thing is you don't get complacent. You need to speak up against drunk driving and impaired driving uh, every occasion that you can get. The other thing you need to do is to remember not to drive, not to ride with drunk drivers. If you, you'd be surprised. Sometimes I ask a group, "Have you ever ridden with people who are impaired?" And many hands go up among uh, drinking people. So, it's an important awareness that if you drink, find another way home. Don't ride with a person, and don't let them drive for their own safety. It's interesting as you mention that because we, I, w- I want to underscore what you just said, Art. If somebody is at a holiday party, if somebody is in their home drinking by themselves, if somebody is out at a game or somewhere drinking, they are often unaware of how much alcohol or, or substances they have consumed because they are in an impaired state to make the healthy decision about whether I should be behind the wheel or not. And so the message about driving sober, in other words, if you've had anything, don't get behind the wheel. Because if it's, I don't want to say impossible, but it's near impossible to judge about your own abilities once you've consumed some type of, of, of medication or substance or drug or alcohol that changes your ability to think clearly. Yes, because what, as you get more on board, the less able you are, your judgment goes really quite quick. And so the message that you're really saying is to plan ahead. If you're going to drink that night, have plans ahead. If you wait, you're very likely to lose uh, control of your judgment and uh, get in a car and uh, cause yourselves a lot of pain and trouble. And and what I love about where uh, we are at right now in 2017 going into 2018 is that we're at a time where if you indeed have a laptop or a tablet or a smartphone, you have the ability to within a few minutes have an Uber or a Lyft uh, come right to where you're at and safely bring you home. There's that one option. But I love that one of the sponsors, Robert J. DeBry, they are saying, keep your receipt. Let's say you call a taxi or whatever it may be. Keep the receipt. We'll reimburse you up to $35 because they represent uh, victims of uh, drunk drivers. And they know, they know the impact. Robert J. DeBry mm-hmm. has done this for years. And they have given much of their own resources and encouragement to people to find a safe way home. They do represent drunk drivers, as you've said, and they understand the misery about that. But I want to say one other thing about those who drink. You need to have more respect for the community in which you live and for life itself. It takes a lot of community resource to uh, of law enforcement and others to take people off the road. And it really 
you need to have more respect for your friend, the life itself in the community in which you live to go ahead and take those risks. And and that's a sobering thought because often we think that when we get behind the wheel, it's our choice, our car, our decision. But you are driving on public roads where there are individuals who don't get to make that decision with you. And so it's not an individual decision. In, in my mind, you're making a decision, as you said, that affects the entire community once you get behind the wheel. What you just said is a remarkable idea because I like it because what you're saying is when you decide to drink and rock, drive, what you're saying, what right does that person have to decide whether another person should live or die? And you don't. But yet you do make that decision for a person when you get behind the wheel and drive drunk. I mean, and you have no right to do that. You're absolutely right. There are a lot of campaigns out there, and some of us we've seen, some we've seen on billboards, some we've seen on television, we've heard on radio, and and they're trying to help people understand, don't even drive buzz. That's the word. In other words, you know, you might just feel a little bit, you know, comfortable after a drink or two. But that, again, we'll go back to the judgment call. It's it's just, you, you want that zero line, that zero margin. The zero margin, mm-hmm. you know, the national transportation I mean, highway safety has got the right slogan. Be sober or get pulled over. Buzz me. Well, how buzz? Be sober or get pulled over. And the other thing that I wanted to mention, certainly on this show, is the risks we're asking law enforcement to take to keep impaired drivers off the road, especially when they get on the road wrong way on I-15 or I-215 and start coming down the wrong way then law enforcement has a choice. They either try and stop you, but if they can't, they're either going to kill somebody head on, which they do here in Utah every year, or the highway patrol then has the, or law enforcement then must make the decision. If they can't stop you or alert you, they then have to take you head on. And we are putting law enforcement at risks. When we, we got to think about them to clear the roads of drunks, especially the wrong way drivers that they have to take head on. And every year, uh, multiple stories of wrong way drivers. And again, that goes back to the inability to make safe judgment calls. And I know mothers against drunk driving. I was always thinking of drunk driving, but I've been trying to weave in um, the word impairment because we do have such epidemics of opioid use and misuse in our communities and, um, uh, you know, one of the highest rates Yep. of those substances. And and that is on par, if not more seriously, uh, affecting our ability to make judgment calls and to drive safely and to keep other people safe on the roads. Rebecca, you hit a very um, important subject because more and more what they're taking off the road is a combination of alcohol and drugs, both on board at the same time. And our laws in Utah simply say if you're impaired or you're under the influence of alcohol and or drugs or any combination, law enforcement can take you off the road, and they do. And so we do charge people when they have drugs on board and drugs only on board. We have a law for that, any derivative. But it you've hit it right on the nose. There are more and more people who are uh, – and and the deaths are going higher for those who have just drugs only on board. 
and 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 it's again it's it's an educational curve i'll say and and we're moving as a community to understand oh, we didn't realize the impact of having these strong uh, medications the addictive power and potential uh, that we have as human beings to these drugs. And, and so that educational campaign is out there and an important part of that story. For those who've just joined us, this is Art Brown. He's the affiliate president of MAD Utah. Um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving is what you're familiar with that term, MAD Utah, actively encouraging everyone, uh, not just um, during the holidays, but all year long to drive sober with our uh, sister station, 103.5 The Arrow. You're hearing messages of the importance of driving sober. Um, Art made um, an important um, note just a few minutes. Well, you've made a ton, again, about the role of uh, family members, the role of friends to intervene and to take the keys away and to order a taxi or get an Uber or arrange another ride. The other point that's staying in my mind is do not get in the car with someone who has had a drink or appears to be impaired in any way because your life is no longer, uh, you're not in control of the safety of your life. Can we for a minute, in my mind, I'm imagining this conversation with us adults. I'm thinking corporate parties. I'm thinking family gatherings. I'm thinking, you know, but the reality is we need to have these conversations with our youth our teens who will probably be hiding their alcohol or substance use. And yet without these conversations with their youth, they're not understanding the severity of what happens before they get behind the wheel. Yeah. And you have to start upstream with youth. It's against the law under 21 to drink at all. And one of the reasons is it's not only damaging your brain, but at every single blood alcohol level, the kids are more at risk when they drive. And so even at the low levels, when they get in the car, they're at high risk. And every year, a few years, we get sad stories across your desk, Rebecca, about a, a, a car full of kids, right? We've already had it this year, right? Uh, that they've taken down them friends and themselves uh, with them. And I want to really make that clear, too. Out of the next 10,000 people who die in the United States from drunk driving and drug driving, um, and that's one year's worth, 10,000 people. Jeez. you got to be kidding. About 75% of them will be the drunk driver and their friends that drive with them. And so, you know, there's no lo- – there, everybody loses. Whether you live or you die as a drunk driver, it's going to just be terrible that you killed your friend and other people or you die yourself with your friend. I, I think that's really important to pause on and, and explain that to your team. Yes. What and and to your husband or wife or or, or whatever yeah. to talk about this, especially um, during the holidays when it becomes that much more common for people to be celebrating is that harsh conversation that you may die or you may live as the driver and then carry the weight of what happened to those who were in your car or the victims that you crashed into for the rest of your life. The best message for teens is when alcohol comes out at the party. Please call me. I will come and get you and your friends. Because you can't leave a teen in an alcohol with party or you do that enough times and they will be drinking. Just ask them. And it's important not to convey it's all right to drink. Just don't drive because I'm telling you they're going to drive. They're going to get in the car. The only double yellow line you can have for teens that work is it's against the law. When alcohol comes out, I call me and I will come and get you. I love that you mentioned that. Um the, the zero tolerance line, 
because I had seen some research about four years ago where parents were thinking that they didn't have impact on their teen's behavior. And the research showed that, uh, yes, peers had influence, but their parents hardline against their, their, the information, the education, the expectations that the parents gave their youth was weighing equally, if not more, against that peer pressure. So that if you are specific and saying no alcohol at any time, no substances at any time. And then what I like is the third component art is say, but in the event something does come, no questions asked, I will come get you. Because you have to remove, as a parent who used to be a parent of three teenage boys, you have to make it safe for them to call you and understand that in the world they're in, the alcohol might come out, no matter how committed they are. And so give them a safe out to call you so that you can safely remove them. And yeah. At least that's my, my personal feelings. You're absolutely right on the first point Thank you. where parents trump peers, especially when you stay close and bonded and involved in their lives and set clear rules, firm rules with your attitude and the rules. That substantially reduces their risk of, of participating in antisocial behavior. There's nothing more important in this conversation today than for parents to set clear rules about no underage drinking until 21. And you might think they know that you don't want them to do that. That's different than sitting down with them and expressly, directly telling them what the rules are. And the rules make a huge difference in your attitude. We know that from Utah surveys over and over and over again. And it's important to to monitor your kids and help them. Every kid needs help staying alcohol-free and drug-free. And it's important that parents step up them to do their job as a parent and to help their children understand not only the great harms to their brain and their addiction and all those, but they need those clear boundaries, the bonding, the boundaries, and they need the monitoring to do the job. And may I share a tip? I, I had um, one of my sons who was um, very close friends with uh, a couple of uh, teens that started to make some antisocial, some some serious decisions about mm. alcohol use and drugs. And he said, Mom, I need a code so that if I'm with them, I can safely let you know I need out if, if this happens. Like, they know I don't want to do it. So we created one where if he said, uh, uh, please, please. So he might even text, can I stay longer at so-and-so's house? If he's put please, please at the end, I knew that I had to say no and go get him. And what that helped him, because he, he, as much as he had firm standing of what he wanted to do, he knew that it's challenging to face his peers and say no and stay. And so mm-hmm. he, that was something that just gave him an out, please, please. And then he could say to his friends, mom says, I got to go. And, you know, at that age, he was 15, 16 before. Now that he's in his early 20s, not a problem. But in those teen years where it was difficult, if it came about, he just needed a, a, an assistant. So use a code if, if that helps you. In fact, mm-hmm. what you say is just critical. It's a, great, it's a great suggestion. It's workable. You work the code out. He's on the phone. He just says, oh, my, my mom says uh, I got my uncle's there or whatever the code is and I have to leave and she's coming to pick me up or whatever. The, then you know. And the the code uh, really helps because they need stuff like that uh, because almost virtually where they go now, it can come out. Mm-hmm. And if you leave them in that environment, you have to have them in a social alcohol-free environment 
or it really is uh, not good for them. And, and you know, if you don't have that, I find kids are into alcohol long before they know the damage it's doing to their brains, their career, their grades, their addiction. They, they have no idea what they're getting into. They don't know that it will permanently uh, affect um, how quickly they can learn the mm-hmm. risk factors in the future. We know now. We know so yes. much more about the importance of keeping their brains chemical-free as they are developing. We have just two minutes left with Art Brown. He's the affiliate president of MAD Utah. We are in the middle of an active Drive Sober campaign asking all of us to participate. You can get more information about this campaign if you go to 103.5 The Arrow's website. There's sponsors there where you can pick up red ribbons and put them on your car, talk with your friends. Um, but where else can we get information and advice and resources from MAD? Uh, MAD.org. There's lots of resources That's there. That's double D, M-A-D-D dot org. Yeah. And our own Utah, parentsempowered.org, parentsempowered.org website, will help you with all the tips, the very important tips that you gave, Rebecca, for parents. They're key. And I would say one thing we all need to do as a community and parents to remember parents trump peer pressure and that these rules and concern for your kids over the holidays is just as key as drunk driving. You must help keep these kids alcohol-free. And if you love your children and you love your family and you love your community, you're going to stand with Mothers Against Drug Driving, Mad Utah. Art Brown, thank you for the work you you do year after year to save lives. Again, get more information at madd.org and drive sober in 2017 and 2018 with 103.5 The Arrow, FM 100.3, and Mad Utah. Art, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Rebecca.